Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 218 of the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, apologies a little bit. I'm getting over um, a little bit of a sickness. So my voice is actually, this is the best it sounded all day. So we're, we're getting there. We're sipping tea. Uh, my guest today, I'm really excited for this. Um, as people know, I like to read. And um, one of the books I read last year was a book called Profit First, which I I was introduced by a lot of different people in different realms, like personally, and then just you know whether I saw it online or um, or read a, someone referencing in another book. Um, so usually, once I get enough recommendations for a certain book, um, you know that's usually a good sign to buy it. So I ended up getting it, um, read the book, absolutely love the book. It deals a lot with cash flow and kind of um, a different way of looking at, um, I'd say, accounting kind of stuff for for businesses. Um, so I really, I really like it, and the and the guy that wrote the book, I've read a couple of his other um, books, and he's very a very practical um, gentleman, and, and and really has some good ideas, and I think uh, kind of a little bit of uh, I wouldn't say a little, this is a big paradigm shift for a lot of people. I think if they read this, but with that being said, I ended up seeing this on LinkedIn, and um, someone that we met through North Country Connections at the chamber, and you know I see I think you more virtually on LinkedIn, but you're very active there, and I saw one day you posted this, and then I ended up thinking, well, that would be good. And then I saw that you were recently on, um, uh, did an event with Lynn at Lake City Coworking. Um, and I was like, you know what? She'd be perfect because I, I love the book. And I found out that you were actually a certified profit first professional strategist. Um, and you're also the owner of Financial Tally. So my guest today is Lori McCauldy. And Lori, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I finally get to meet you face to face. I mean, I, we've seen like Two ships passing in the wind. Yeah, you know? I mean, I've, I've, we've seen in person, like I, we've been mm. in the same room, but yes, like actually to sit down and like have a conversation. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I, like I said, I like this, and you always seem like a nice person, and you know, like I said, just our past haven't officially crossed, but here we are, and um, you know, for, I guess for people that don't know you, who are you? You know, what do you do? And so I am a profit strategist. Um, my background is in accounting and tax. I started 35 years ago. Actually, yesterday, February 1st, was my 35th year in business. When I say it like that, that really, <laughs> the age kind of kicks in, and I realize, wow, I've been doing this for a long time. And uh, I started out uh, with an accounting and tax practice, and the reason I did that was I had two young kids at home. And I think my daughter, Rachel, was almost three, and my son, Mario, was almost one. And I had decided that I was going to work outside the home. And I went to work for a local company, and I realized the first week I brought home, after paying daycare, about $50. And I said, wow, there's got to be a better way to do this than than, than go out of the house. So I decided, decided to start a business. Um, I eventually moved into financial planning. Um, I was a financial planner for a number of years too. And then I got into um, 
I kept seeing the same things every year with my business owners. They get to the end of the year. They wouldn't have the money set aside for their taxes. They wouldn't pay themselves all year, and they couldn't understand where the cash was going. And I knew this was an issue, so I started looking for a cash flow management system, and I came across Profit First. And I, uh, I read the book, and I said, you know what? I'm going to try implementing it in my business first and see how that goes. And that's what I did. So I implemented it, and I said, wow, this really makes sense. There's a lot of clarity now around how the cash comes into your business and how it goes out. Um, the next thing I did, I said, I want to meet this guy. And I real, just realized that, oh, he's in New Jersey, which is a six-hour car ride. So I went down to New Jersey, and they have what's called um, convocation. So when you first become certified and profit first, you do some training and I met Mike down there and he is the real deal. And that's why I started, uh, I started to get into it a little more. I've met other people that are involved in it. I think there's around 600 profit certified profit first professionals worldwide. And, uh, I just thought it was an awesome way to manage your cash flow in your business. And it, it's been great since I started it. Um, and what year was this roughly? So I think it was around 2017, 2018 I started. He actually started Profit First. I think it was 2014 or 2015. So I got in pretty early at, mm -hmm. on. Yeah. So they were, at that time, they were just implementing it with, with uh, they, they, they use accountants, bookkeepers, and coaches. So not everybody is, has an accounting background. Some are just coaches. Um and I just, I needed to implement something that was more than just maintaining somebody's books or doing their tax return. That's compliance. It's something that has to be done, but this really helps you grow and helps somebody move forward in their business. They have a, a destination. Uh, what do you want? How do you want this business to work and what do you want it to provide for you? So I just thought that this was a much better way to clarify how cash goes in and out of their business yeah and, and uh the reason and, and like i read this book and i'm not the one one of the things i would say you know i kind of always am like analyzing my my own self day to day i think it's probably most people are in their own head doing that and i one of the things i i find i'm not very good at is you know keeping we always hear like keeping money accountable and doing that and i find i'm just not good at that i mm -hmm. i, I find my my banking internal banking system is I just feel like, okay, I have more money coming in or I have less money coming in. And I just kind of make adjustments on, on that. And it's not certainly not a good, I mean, I say it's probably not as loose as what I just made it sound, but it feels like that in my head. So it's probably more strict than that. But I, I, I feel I'm a very like anal person in a lot of things in life. Like I have, I'm very organized and attention to detail. And I find that I'm not that way with money and this was like a glimpse into it when I'm like that system speaks to me mm -hmm. like that like I understand it I don't implement it like the way that this is done mm -hmm. but I can see from like where I am to where it goes like that is a really good path to get you on the straight and narrow as right. like okay hold your money accountable know where everything goes know what your spending percentage is and how you can grow and how you know and kind of and, and one of the things you know we'll dive into is the idea of you know limiting expenses until you can start expanding on the expenses almost like when you earn the right to expand on the expenses right but in the meantime become more efficient and i think that the reason that this spoke volumes is because the last couple of years in our business real estate 
was off the charts, mm-hmm. like not in a good way. It, right. You know, I say I rode the wave really well. I positioned myself really well for those two years. But at the same token, we knew it was not going to last. It was right. it was a bubble. You knew it was going to pop. And what happened was you, you know, we did this a little bit, but you could you could definitely see this around that people started to get almost like lazy with their money because they had extra. And they're like, whatever, I'm not going to be as strict or I'm not going to check the, you know, double check things as much. Yeah. Um, and I think this book really shows like, okay, become more efficient and don't let that creep in. And this is really a good checks and balance, I think, to really hedge hedge against bull and bear markets for your business. It does because it it, it forces you to um, really delegate each dollar. Each dollar has a job. So, and the way that it's set up, there are five four um, five core accounts. There's an income account that all the income goes into that one account. So you can see the flow. It only goes one direction. Then you have um, your profit account, your owner's pay, your tax, and then your operating expenses are last. And because you prioritize paying yourself first and withholding money for taxes, that's another big thing, um, that, that forces you to be really efficient with the operating expenses, whatever you have for cash. Um, and normally when I work with clients, we're looking at least at a minimum quarterly, we're going through the expenses again, because as you, as you go along, I don't know if you did this or did you look at your expenses when you first started it at all? With this book? Yeah. Um, I did actually, I pulled out, um, and I was kind of off air. I was, cause that's what I was asking you. I'm like, did I, did I look at it right? Cause right. these numbers, I, so I did do it the right way. Yeah. Um, so yes, if I was to look at this, I would say that my expenses, like, and I'm just going to go off of like the book of what they say is like, mm-hmm. you know, so say you have a zero to $250,000 real revenue, you should have 30% expenses. If you go 250 to 500, 40%, 50 to a million, 50%. So like, um, we started to go into those ranges. I, we were higher than the operating expenses, which based on everything I read in the book and I've seen, I think that's like, it's the typical. That's, that's like where the, you start because like you bucket. don't know yeah. what you don't know what you're spending until you really sit down and compare it to what you got coming in. And I find one of the big things is like even subscription costs. I don't know how technical, how much tech you got in your business, but that was a, a big thing on mine. Um, I'm very tech heavy mm-hmm. because I, I, I leverage it because I don't have a, you know, a, a large staff. I have one, uh, one accounting assistant right now. At one point I had three, three people working for me. Um, but I mean, I, I leverage the time and I leverage, um, technology, uh, CRM systems and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And, uh, that's one of the things that I'm my own personal business. That's something that I looked at. And then I started, when I started working with clients on it, that was, it was huge. It's huge. Or advertising dollars. I remember having a conversation with a client saying, you know, you spent X amount of dollars last year on advertising. It was pretty high. Who, who did, who came in from that? And they couldn't answer the question, yeah. so they weren't tracking. Okay, what's the return on on that on those advertising dollars? Yeah, and I think so. When you go when you go to just for that fact, like we we looked at stuff pretty heavy about eight months ago, and we kind of did it with the idea that we knew. Um, I'd like to think that we were a little bit ahead of the curve of like mm-hmm. where you know things were happening, but we kind of looked at stuff and could see the writing on the wall. Like, hey, this is just not going to be 
you know, we, we can see this bubble happening. Yep. Like, you know, you got a couple years that are just going to be massive outliers if you zoom back and look at it. And what happened was most of the stuff we looked at was like, what's the stuff we don't really need that we might have just gotten lazy and, and had? And, and some of them were like, even as simple as like, the amount we were paying for garbage like we yep. really didn't generate that much garbage and i mean that's like a simple thing yep. but then we went down to you know we did some advertising things we looked at it and like okay is that what we need to spend on or okay we're we might be advertising there but what's what's the what's the goal of that advertisement mm-hmm. or marketing campaign and are we in a position right now where that makes sense to do it and a couple of things we just we just said hey you know we we think it works we know it works but it's kind of it's not really bring, we don't really need to bring that in or do that now because right. our focus is somewhere else. So I looked at that as like it's good but not needed right this second. Um, I call it like a I've probably heard this. I, I, I took this this saying, but like seasons of your life, mm-hmm. seasons of your business, or it was kind of like a season where like we just didn't need to do that. So we rearranged some stuff and um, long and short of it is we did make cuts and we looked at efficiencies where and this is something that you know one of my favorite parts of the book and it's kind of almost uh it's part of it but it's like semi-secondary to all the math numbering it's it's the idea of just like the efficiencies and one of the one of the things that he says in this book that i go back to a lot and i've said this to many people and um jen's probably rolling would roll her eyes out there she's heard (laughs) me say it so much but he uses a story in there he's talking about how do you produce more with less exactly and the story that he used and this for people that are listening to wrap your heads around because this puts it in context and and because we live upstate this is a perfect example um he goes if you can say you can shovel a driveway and he goes you can shovel a driveway you can actually shovel two driveways in an hour and like, okay that makes sense two driveways an hour he goes okay great now i want you to shovel four driveways in 30 minutes and what happens on that, the idea is how do you do more with less? And he said, how do you, and I think one of the lines he wrote is how can you double the output by by basically cutting in half your input? Right. Um, so again, if you can shovel two driveways in an hour, how can you shovel four driveways in 30 minutes? And what it does, it's, you know, you hear these terms, big questions. Mm-hmm. It's a big question. So it gets your mind going from small to now it's like, oh, wow, I got to really think outside the box. Yeah. And I go back to that question quite often. It was that this might have been like divine intervention. I op- I got the book yesterday, opened it up because I wanted to review my notes. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't like completely like not, you know, in the cobwebs. <laughs> There's here. a lot in there. There, so. there is, but the first page I opened up to was that staring me in the face oh, right wow. there. And I was like, I had some reason I had to see it. So, yep. but, um, the efficiency aspect, yes, we cut expenses. Our expenses were, if I was to use them, we haven't implemented this, but mm-hmm. my expenses were too high and it comes in the taxes were fine. Yep. What it came at the detriment was the owner's comp and profit. Yep. Yeah. That's usually, that's where, you know, you get into conversation say, how much did you take out of your business this year? And they, or they can't tell you. Mm-hmm. They don't know because they don't understand, uh, depending on if they're an S Corp or sole proprietor or whatever, there's different ways that you take the cash out of your business. And yeah, they, you know, because the cash is all lumped into one place, there's no place to, uh, to see it, you know, to see where all that money is going. And I think that's, and again, I think one of the things we, like in our in our business, and I'll just like pull back the curtains and just use this as the guinea pig, is like we don't have a good system for separating that. So mm-hmm. like we look at, we have an, we have an idea, you right. know, like based on trends and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that what this does is it gives you a roadmap 
that you can look at and have a systemized plan on like, okay, if you want to start to grow that, how do you do it versus just throw it all in and just kind of balance, you know, cut specs, kind of what I do, like I was saying before, I have a night. I have a general feeling and idea, mm -hmm. having just looked at the numbers over and over. Yep. But if you were to just tell me to calculate it, I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. And I think that this book lays out a really good groundwork for how you could actually legitimately show dollars in, dollars out, where it's going. Um, so I don't want to speak completely in macro levels. So mm -hmm. I mean, I, you've been, you've done this. So mm -hmm. I'm going to let you speak. Kind of explain the general principles behind Profit First. Um, and you know, why you like it actually want me to do why you like it and then kind of just take us through, you know, what you do with clients or, you know, kind of the general idea behind profit first and like some of the steps and more of the details of it, I guess. Right. So, um, what I like about it, it's, it's easy, easy for, for a client to understand. They won't sit down typically if they sit down and look at a profit and loss once a year that's about all they do. And then a lot of times they have questions with it. You know, if, if either they're, they have internal, um, uh, employees that are working on it or they're doing it themselves or they have a CPA and they look at that profit and loss and it, you know, there's all their ultimate goal is to have the stuff, all their accounting in order and do their tax return at the end of the year. What this does is it kind of gives you a framework kind of guardrails as to where your cash is. And it's, much easier for a business owner to understand if um, they're much more likely to go into their bank account online and look at their five bank accounts and see where that cash is as opposed to sitting down with a profit and loss statement. And if they see they only have X amount of dollars in their operating expenses, well, then that's all they can spend at that point. You can't, don't be bringing it below zero or you're in trouble. So I think that process, that's the, the goal is to get it so that they have clarity in their numbers. When I start with clients, we don't we don't necessarily start right with the finances. The first thing I want to find out is what do they want this business to provide them. A lot of times, people are starting out in business and they have a, a skill set and they want they say, well, this is something that I want to put out there. But what they ultimately do in that case is they make themselves a job as opposed to a business. So they're always working in the business instead of on it. So I have that conversation because sometimes, um, you know, somebody else start a business and they really don't know how they want it, what they want it to look like, how much they want, they need to make. We look at their lifestyle. What do you need to, how do you, how can that business support you? And how much do you actually have to make? So we start with those questions and then we get on to, um, you know, making sure their financials are in order. A lot of clients of mine either have somebody that's in-house, they do it themselves or, or they have us do it. So we do, um, I have an accounting associate that helps, helps with like just reconciliation. So if we do the, the books internally, we have the books done. And that way, when we have our quarterly meetings, we, we know where they are financially. We're not guessing. We're not waiting on somebody to do the books for, for them. We do that. And then um, I still, I, I, st I work with other CPAs too. So I don't necessarily have to be the one doing the tax return. What I do is I work with other CPAs and I kind of help guide my client. We make sure that all their financials are done by the end of the year. And with my financial planning background too, that kind of um, sets them up with the accountant so they know what we're trying to accomplish. I'm really big 
on working with other advisors. I've always done that. Either if, if it was an expertise that I didn't have, I knew a lawyer, I knew a financial advisor, I knew an insurance person, I knew somebody that could be brought in and work with them. Um, and I'm, I'm, one of my clients called me an interpreter. So sometimes they're sitting in the office with a financial advisor or a CPA and there's kind of a disconnect. There might be a disconnect and I can kind of explain to the client what, what the CPA is looking for or I can explain to the CPA what the client is asking because they don't know. They don't know how to ask the question to make it clear to, to the CPA. Um, so that's how we work with clients and, and it's all individual based. I mean, everybody's absolutely, you know, everybody's different. So, um, and that's how we work and that's how we, we put profit first within that framework. So we either, we do, we do do some just plain consulting where they, they take care of their own accounting, their own tax. Um, and we just, we help them with the profit first implementation and the quarterly meetings kind of almost like, I don't know, quarterback, I guess, a coach, mm -hmm. somebody, an accountability partner. So we like partner with them. coordinator. Yeah. Yes. And then I do a lot of coordination. I do, you know, if I'm not the one that's doing the tax return, um, I'm coordinating with their CPA or accountant. So if, if um, so you would obviously look at all the numbers and mm -hmm. then that you come up based on, so like I, we're looking at kind of that text box right there, that chart. Mm -hmm. um, is that pretty much what you would go off of? It's, yep, it's, it's a pretty safe number. It's pretty It's pretty. It's pretty good. So the the percentages that he puts in the books, they did. He did a lot of research. He's a big research guy. Mm -hmm. He's done it for quite a few years. And what they did, these aren't. Sometimes people look at ROI, return on investment, those or KPI, you know, mm -hmm. K performance indicators and stuff. But what this is is these percentages are what healthy businesses are doing. The ones that are are, are thriving, um, and that's where he got these numbers from. They're not just, you know, looking at particular indicators. You can get into that more, you know, depending on your business. Um, I tend to focus myself, we focus mostly on, on um, businesses that don't have inventory, that don't have sales tax, service-based. So, yeah. yep. and I... I find that area pretty interesting and in that, you know, they, that, those are the people that seem to, those are the owners that seem to need, need help that normally if you've got somebody that's a, um, you know, say a big contractor or has a lot of inventory, they have, they have staff, but there's a lot of, um, you know, S corps, LLCs, sole proprietors that are service-based. And if they're, particularly if they're running it all themselves, they don't have the time to look at these numbers, they just, you know, they, they're too busy, they're in their business and they're not looking at, at this. And of course, at the, you know, at some point, if they want to sell that business or something and they haven't been, uh, they haven't been keeping track of their cash, it's the valuation of it may not be as good as if they had, had kept track of everything all along. Yeah. So if we look at, you know, so if you were to take a business and, you know, kind of going off the idea here is that Everything goes in, and again, I'm, I'm kind of brushing up on this so you can um, definitely jump in, but mm -hmm. the money goes into the account and then it starts, you start sectioning it off by these four things right, right. here. Yep. Oh, these four, sorry. I'm down. So right. real, so everything comes in, um, I'll say that, we'll say this is a service-based business so they don't have um, subcontractors or materials and supplies. So everything comes in you go off your real revenue number 
So like in this example, say it's 250,000 is your real revenue number. Then according to these percentages, you should be setting aside 5% for profit, 50% for owner's pay, 15% for tax and 30% for operating expenses. That's just a you know, just an example. So what you do, all the income comes into one bank account, and then you have four other bank accounts set up, and you allocate these percentages. In the book, it's recommended the 10th and the 25th. I, I tend to find that, that that is a good way to do it. Some businesses, um, their cash flows in every week, and they want to they wanna do it weekly. I try to get them in the 10th and 25th. It's, it's less tedious, I guess you'd say. It's more batching. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. you're sitting down. You might sit down you know, half an hour, an hour a week and just make, you know, or every other week just to, to make sure you're putting the money in. And because you have those bank accounts, you can, you know, if you've got them on online or on your, you can put them on mobile on your phone and you can see actually the percentages they are, they're always with you. People bring their phones wherever they go nowadays. So those percentages, um, you do that on the 10th and the 25th. And also you sit down, like myself and for my own business, I sent out, sit down on the 10th and 25th and then I do my bill, bills at the same time. So you're not, you're not doing, sometimes people, I think in the book Mike talked about, because um, somebody asked me, I did a presentation last week for uh, Lake City Coworking and somebody says, where did you get, up, get the 10th and the 25th? And there's a story in the book that Mike was sitting with his, his accountant and um, he had his laptop out and he was writing out checks and the accountant looked over his shoulder and says what are you doing she's he says well I'm just making my bills out she says you're doing that every how often are you doing that and I think it was like every day or every week he was sitting down and it's not efficient so so she says why don't you do it the 10th and the 25th and the light bulb went off in his head and that's what he put in the book and he started doing it that way and uh and that's how it got in the book it was just his accountant noticed what he was doing. I was going to say, mo- most things are kind of due like the 1st or the 15th. Yeah, was kind exactly. Of the idea. Yep. And I think if you, you know, it, it goes back to batching. So if people don't know what batching is. And I do this with my email and I do this with a lot of, I try to do this more with stuff is that um, batching basically is the, in, is, what's, is like it combats um, task switching. Right. And it combats the idea that if you, like, so task switching means if you go from one, like say you're working on a project and the phone rings or a text, you answer the text. Then you try to go back to what you were thinking about and then someone walks in the door and then you go back. And if you've ever been in that scenario, that is just a complete you know, whirlpool into an abyss of just a wasted yep. day. The whole idea of batching is instead of checking your text messages every time they come in, wait two hours and batch them all in about a five-minute span. Just answer them all right, right off. And my email, I batch. I got this actually from Tim Ferriss who's mm-hmm. big on yep. stuff like that. Um, I check my email at 11 o'clock and four o'clock every day. Mm-hmm. So 11 and four, I have a, an extension on my computer that I absolutely love that I, I can block out my email. Yep. Um, so, and just so Lori knows I'm not lying. Like there's my, <laughs> there's my inbox right now at zero. I believe you. Um, so, but it, what it does is it allows me at four o'clock, like when this podcast is done, I'll check it. I have a couple client things to get back to and yep. I go through it and I can batch it all and I'm pretty much all done that in about 15 minutes. So yep. if you really look at your entire day where people get sucked into answering these one-off emails, you do it all at one shot and you really can lump a lot of them together. Yes, you can. So that's the idea of of doing that. So the same thing with paying your bills. Like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's just a mindless kind of thing you do. Put them all in the same time so you're not re-grabbing 
the checkbook out, shutting the drawer, taking, taking, you know, just kind of getting the mindset or in the mode of right. writing off one or two checks. Um, I do it with check deposits too. I'll get checks yep. and kind of bundle them and do them all at one shot. So, I mean, it's just being more efficient. Right. Of, so. The, did I say the 10th and 20th? It's the 10th and 25th. Did I did say, say that? I th- okay. I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about five days before most things are due. That way yeah. you can process and all the, all yeah. the wiring and stuff can happen. But, um, yeah, so I think. Now, if you, what's the difference? I, I forgot off, off the top of my head. So obviously taxes are self-explanatory. You, right. you, you earmark taxes. And yep. you, if you pay, that's probably the one you're going to get the most in trouble for if you don't pay them. Absolutely. But your uh, operating expenses, and that's money that you spend to run your, your company. Right. Um, so profit and owner's compensation. It's owner's comp, right? That's Right. right owner's term. comp. Yeah. Yep. Owner's pay. Yep. So can you explain the difference of those two? Yep. So profit is... Um, cash that comes to you it isn't i'll explain it the other way owner's comp is if you're working in the business so if you're if you're an s corp your salary is owner's comp mm-hmm. um if you're sole proprietor it's it's the draw that you get out the profit is above and beyond that so we take that out first and um i mean even in the lowest in the lowest category here it's five percent and you, you might not have 5% profit at first, even if you can do 1%, just do 1%. I know it's not much, but it gets you, the whole point is to get you in the habit of doing that, is to allocating. Um, and that is, the profit is above and beyond. So like if you had, um, for example, if you had Ford stock and you got a dividend every month, or, and then you, you, you could spend that, Ford doesn't ask you to take that money, you know, give them the money back. So you don't take your profit and you don't put it back into your business. Uh, you take it out and you you uh, you use it for yourself as the owner. So uh, what I actually do, my profit, I use for a vacation account because I'm not so much about buying things, but I like experiences. So my husband and I, we get to take nice vacations every once in a while, and that's what we do. We I put all the profit in there. So you got to kind of give yourself an incentive for it. And the owner's pay, you make sure that, those two things you you take out first and if you don't have enough when you first start you know that's that's your business screaming at you saying you're spending too much on your operating expenses um and this is a process so what we do is you can't you don't hit those these are target allocation percentages they call them taps so when we start with a client we start at their current allocation percentages it's where they actually are and if if they're supposed to get down to 30 percent operating expenses sometimes they're at 80 sometimes they're at 90 so then what we do over a period of time uh it could you i usually they run i run them out at six to eight quarters so every quarter you adjust your operating expenses by that little bit of percentage where you're taking off one to two percent off operating expenses every month and you're allocating it to your owner's pay profit and your tax and that's that's kind of what you're doing it you're doing it over time you can't come out of the gate at these targets unless you've been doing really well some people they do but for the majority of business owners that first start this they look at their operating expenses and realize just how much all that is costing them yeah and and i think one of the ideas so let's let's use the uh i'm just going to use this percentage here Mm -hmm. and everybody we're looking at it we're actually reading the book and there's a couple good graphs i think if anybody um, I'll, we'll say this probably at the end and a few more times through, but it's Profit First, Mike Michalowicz. Mm-hmm. So Mike Michalowicz, he's got a few other books, but Profit First, um, it, I, I would just suggest you read it. If you have any yeah. kind of business, I think read it. It's gonna it's a paradigm shift, but I think it makes a lot of sense. It's almost 
it's almost to the point like why wasn't this normal? Why I isn't know. this normalized? But I know because um, it's very simple and in, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. it's the it's the old envelope system, your grandmother's yeah. envelope system. That's you yeah. know if you had um, people used to take envelopes and write on the envelope, you know, here's for groceries, here's for the auto, here's for the house, and instead of using envelopes, usually bank accounts. Um, I actually I didn't realize it. I mean, I did realize this. I forgot he has like literally a quick setup guide. Like in the oh, back. yeah, he it just kind of simplifies it all down for yep. you, which is cool. But um, so if you start off at like operating expenses, I think we said what well, was 30%. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a business if your real revenue is between zero and 250K. Um, but you, you say you're at 60% operating expenses. And, you're at, and I, I believe they said that each. Um, each quarter, like you said, is mm-hmm. you try to find, is there a set print? Is it one, two, three percent? It's not set, so, but you at least try to get one percent out of something. Uh, and I usually, when I first implement these, what I do is we, we review, we do a, what's called an incident assessment. And that's mm-hmm. what that is. We assess where they are currently. Mm-hmm. And we do an assessment. And within the assessment, it says where they are and where they're looking to go. Yep. So yeah. yeah, it tells it tells us right away, you know, where the problems are, and from that, then we do what's called a rollout plan. <clears throat> and I normally do it when I the first time is usually I think eight quarters, so that would be over two years, and then we roll out the plan, you know, going going forward, and that way we we make adjustments quarterly, so it's not you're not making big adjustments all at once. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that people do too is when they start this, they start out. Well, I'm going right from I'm going right to that five percent, and they they can't make it, you know, and then they get discouraged and they stop. What well, I was gonna say, I think one of the things he said in there is pick a number that is is consistent that can be done consistently. Cause right. The and I think this goes for a lot of people, um, myself included, is that it's easier to climb, like, kind of take the idea if you had to like look up to climb Mount Everest and you're standing at the base of Mount Everest, it looks very intimidating. Mm-hmm. They're to stretch you back fifty yard or. 50 miles and look at Mount Everest, you're like, oh, I can cover it with my thumb. Yep. You know, it's the idea, it's like a slow climb to a distant horizon. That's kind of the idea here is yes. that, I think you said it, like if you go, say it's one percentage over a year, well, that's 4% and actually ends up being 8% net. I mean, when you four off one, right. four to the other, so yep. I mean, you're making some Make big some progress, gains. yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, obviously you do the, and that's that's at the bare minimum. Right. Um. So I think the idea is, you know, it's baby steps, but I do think when you go back, because most people, I mean, your taxes are your taxes, and I don't, the taxes don't, shouldn't really change much, because that's still based on most of your revenue. So, right, so the, and people Maybe say, because well, of the expenses, right say off why part. 15%, but they're basing that 15% on your total top line revenue. So it's usually enough to cover whatever you need. And then when we do it, I mean, we look at, um, when we, we have when we're doing their books too, then we know how much they've already made for estimated estimated payments during mm-hmm. the year, and we we so quarterly if we're meeting court meeting quarterly, then we can adjust as we go through, especially if if either if uh, if I was the one doing the tax return or I'm at a minimum talking with the CPA. Um, I just went through this right now because we do we do year end. Uh, planning usually about October, November every year. Mm-hmm. And then we, we talk with the CPA and say, hey, um, <clears throat> this is where they are right now. How do you think, are, is, is this enough estimated tax set aside? So we can adjust it. You know, it's just, it's a matter, every, you know, we look, we look forward. Um, and when we begin implementing it, as far as figuring out where you should be, 
we kind of we we go through slowly we we see what kind of cash flow they're going to have in the next quarter and then we can we can adjust it from there um <clears throat> yeah because i was gonna say out of the four taxes to me seem like they would probably have the, the least amount eventually in in movement right uh, most of your movement comes in the form of taking out of operating expenses yes into either profit or owner's comp depending on how right. you want to divvy it up and i think the uh well first off i the idea of that you know revenue minus expenses equal profit i think he says it right in the beginning of the book yep it's profit minus revenue equals expenses right, right? profit yeah it's it's sales minus profit equals expenses oh that's it yes instead of sales minus expenses equals profit which yeah. is the gap principle which one, that's why when you look at your profit and loss the owner gets confused at the end of the year saying, okay, I made $50,000. I have $12.19 in my bank account. Where's the money? Mm -hmm. It's because cash flow is different than an accounting number on the profit and loss statement. Yes. Yeah. So um, so that's kind of like the paradigm shift. That's probably the big paradigm shift. That's the shift. big one, yep. And then from that, this all builds off of it and kind of proves that theory. Um, but I think the, uh, the idea of lowering owner's, like, owner's expenses, because that's... I mean, have you had anybody not come to you and their expenses are under what they should be? Under what the... No. They, they, everybody's over. Everybody's usually over. Or I, I had one recently that was pretty close, but then on further review, we kind of kept digging and realized, okay, that was just an anomaly. Especially this last... God, this last two years with yeah. all the PPP loans and all that kind of stuff, yeah. that kind of... Like when we're, we were doing assessments before, we would look at like the prior, maybe two two years, two to three years. Well, we can't do that now because there were so many anomalies in the last two years. Now we're just looking at 12 months back mm -hmm. and uh, using those cash flow numbers. So so again, 99.99% of people are going to be overexpending yep. uh, or overspending. Yep. Um, so if you were to tell most people or kind of what's a general idea if someone came in and you're like okay you got to limit your expenses mm -hmm. what would like what would be like hey whether it's percentage wise or let's look at these portions of the business you obviously just mentioned like streaming you know yep. subscription services yep. but where do you find most people have to look at and where should they do most of their cutting in order to free up those percentages to reallocate to say profit or or uh, owner's comp I, I think one of the big, yeah, obviously the subscription services, that was a big one. Mm -hmm. um, that's when I see right off the bat. Um, uh, you know, just talking with your insurance agents, stuff like that, as far as uh, can you get a different um, a different insurance policy? Workers' comp horrible. Workers' comp, uh, any of your general liability, any kind of insurance, talk with your uh, insurance agent. Is, is there, are there policies that you can get? where you have the same benefit with less expense. I think that's the other thing we kind of look at. Um, and you were talking about trash removal. Talk to, you know, is there somebody else that could take out the tra trash for you that would be less expensive? You know, th those kind of things. So, Because um, I, I look at most most businesses when you look at, because um, the heart, and I think he talks about this, like most people's biggest expense in a company is payroll. Like mm -hmm. That's usually your top, top one, um, you know, and that's, you know, beyond the owner's comp. I mean, that owner's comp is part, I would say, right. this they separate it, but yep. if you take away owner's comp, just like if you have staff or anything like that, yep. you're paying uh, or W-2, um, how would that, 
look and, they, and I think he actually says in it that's like what you want to try to cut last I mean you do have to make yes. cuts but I think you also don't want to just completely go bare bones and right. have nobody sometimes people get and they have the issue of over hiring mm-hmm. um, there was well look at the tech places right now up, yeah. yeah i mean they they thought i don't know it just everybody kept thinking this was all gonna go for forever um but efficiency with your your staff you're working the the employees that you have mm-hmm. uh, can you consolidate um a position um you don't want to you want to have make sure you if you if you plan on hiring that you can afford that person and are that do you have the people in the right seats Sometimes mm-hmm. you have people that are, are better off in a different position in your business and you lose efficiency because, you know, they're not fit for that particular job. So that's something else you can look at too. Um, cause the main, like when I, cause I read this book and again, I didn't implement the whole concept of it partly because like, like every, like I think someone needs someone like you to implement it versus just implementing yeah. it. It's kind of like anything else because number one, you walk them through it, but there's an accountability level too. The accountability is the big piece. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it's like going to the gym. Like you can go to the gym, but if you hire a personal trainer, you're going to yep. go to the personal trainer. Yep. Um, and I think if you, like I, I looked at the idea of like cutting the expenses and I'm like, okay, you know, what what can you go through? And we, we went through quite a bit. I mean, we went through every line item. It's like, mm-hmm. is it a... Is it truly a necessity? Is it just like kind of a want, a need, a luxury, whatever? Um, and we, we cut a decent amount of stuff. But then I also looked at like you can only cut so much. Right. Um, so then, you know, you can't just completely turn this into, you know, a skeleton crew kind of thing. Right. So, so then you end up looking at, okay, and you, you just mentioned it, um, the efficiencies of the business. Like how can you be more efficient? Right. And I've really tried to, um, on a personal level, just with the business – family life I have you know three young kids and just a lot going on mm-hmm. um there was some stuff that we have to do like I'm not in a position where I can't be in I can't just work on the business I have to work in the business yep the problem mm-hmm. is both those hats for me are full-time job hats yep so then it makes it more <laughs> difficult so I end up looking at you know in the fact that my time allocation to both of those has been tightened on both ends because of kids and right. you know drop offs and pickups and oh, you know, yeah. so and you're, you're, I know you're a mom so that's <laughs> yep you're a mom so and that's the thing like every, and I, I go back to it all the time like there's so many people that have dealt with it it's oh like, yeah it's, fine. it's just a, it's a season it's, of my life and yep you, you deal with it so but I look at it as I had to look at some stuff and I said you can cut expenses but I said then you have to look at efficiencies because mm-hmm. one thing that I wasn't willing to sacrifice in my end was my kids and my time my, right. my wife and stuff like that so I do spend a lot of time with my kids and spend a lot of time with my family by design. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the father that or the husband that they never see. Yep. Um, so with that being said, I ended up looking at how can I be more efficient? Yep. Um, and then how can, and that's why this book jumped out to me because it's on the financial aspect of being more. Right. Now I, I'll be honest, I have not implemented this. So okay. I'm not a good <laughs> practitioner. The concept makes a hundred percent sense right like, um and I, I it's one of those like i want to implement it mm-hmm. so we may be talking after but okay. it's kind of one where i think it's a great system yep. but i ended up looking at efficiencies regarding um like my favorite book i think i read last year one of my favorite books but probably the one i've implemented the most is the one thing have you read that oh one? yes oh, i i'm an avid reader i'm just like oh, we'll you know about this even 
even the back of cereal boxes. It doesn't really matter. So you read that book? Yes, I did. Yeah, quite a while ago. But yeah, yeah. I've read a yeah a lot of stuff like that. So so that's kind of my favorite one. But there's other ones. There's like the four Mm -hmm. hour work week and things where it just kind of you know makes more efficiency. So I'm really trying to, in my head, really focus on certain things and get them done. And, And one of the things that the one thing talks about, which this does a little bit too, mm-hmm. is that you have to, and it's tough because it's like, it's out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. but it's um, the idea of accepting, um, basically embracing chaos is the term they use. Yeah. I call it, um, what I call it, organized chaos. That's my life. Yeah. Because and- my, I actually, my whole life is on an Excel spreadsheet. I do time blocking right from my workouts in the morning till yeah. at night. And that's, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is, my, this is my calendar. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so you yep. can see. Now, the only reason these are blank is because my blue, like like this is my one thing, yep. one one that I take, and yep. I put it into here. So like podcast, make a couple calls, home. Yep. So I have like things blocked off, mm-hmm. um, but like all this white space was things that I actually was very efficient. I just, once I get it done, I just cross it off because it's yep. like more of like a to, it's not a to-do item, it's to-do. It should be a did I do it list instead of... A to-do list. Yes. And and I so like this one, like I, this actually was here and did the first part of this basically mm-hmm. till about one o'clock. So this was actually a little bit, I, yeah. I shrinked it up for tomorrow. Um, but I still have to do some stuff on it. So I just like, okay, I can move it over. Yep. I, but I did hours of really deep work on that today yeah. and got it done. So tomorrow's like the next thing and it's like my eyes are crossed. And I'm like, oh, I'm so like my brain sapped. <laughs> um, so this is fun. This is like a nice relaxation thing. <laughs> yeah. But this is, yes, that's my... But I, I, I audit my calendar um, every uh, Sunday morning is when I look at yep. stuff. So I just yep. plan out my day. I prioritize the week. And then I look yep. at, um, and this is a little bit off topic of that. Um, I look at my calendar. I look at all my like potential things I could do. Mm-hmm. And then I go through and I prioritize and say, what's the most, ef- what's the most effective? What's going to be the biggest bang for my buck? Whatever you want to call it. That then goes on, and I add in only to the extent of things that I think I can get done that week, not to right. overwhelm me. And then those, I then take them on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I go through my, my week, and I time block them in my calendar so I know I have a time designated to that task. Yep. Based on, and I kind of give it, you know, a conservative timeline. So you're doing everything right as far as, you know, as well, far as that kind of blocking, because I think that... Um, that is huge, but block your family time out first, block yep. all that, that gets blocked mm-hmm. first. I, I do, I do mine too on Sunday. Um, another guy I listen to, he actually does it on Thursday. He says, so he doesn't have to worry about the weekend. It's already done. Um, yeah. but Thursday I'm doing like on Thursdays, I do marketing networking type of things. And I do client work, I think Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday and Thursday, I put in so calls. Batch, batch your days. Oh yeah. 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 I had to, I had to be more efficient at what I was doing. Um, and so, this, this past year, I, I don't do individual tax returns anymore. So I'm only, this is my first tax season that I'm not in tax season in 35 oh, wow. years. So I'm working just with the only returns I would do with the ones that are doing accounting work too. Okay. So accounting and profit first, cause that's in everything. But yeah, this is the first, so it's really weird for me right now. Does it feel um, good? It feels awesome. <laughs> cause I mean like right now you're like in it. Oh yeah. Like this is, this, oh I, yeah. Right now. I, so the girl that works with me, um, she took over my individual clients and she had, so I still have a zoom call with her once a week cause she still does the accounting work for me from her. She lives in Moore's. So it's like, 
you know, she used to come in, nobody comes into my office anymore. So it's again, and I work all remote. So it's, you know, I talk to people all over, but it's pretty, uh, yeah, the blocking time blocking has been a huge thing for me finally. Um, yeah. And time blocking I got from my dad. I mean, that was something oh, cool. when yeah. I was young, I mean, I've heard him, he's time blocked as long as I can remember. And mm-hmm. then I started doing that. He taught me how to do that. Well, this is my 13, yeah, 13 years ago. And, mm-hmm. um, I live my life by time block, but I, I live it like, and this is a thing that I've gotten better at with the prioritization aspect of it. And I, I get anxiety if I don't get things done. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was like, and I still fight it. It's not like something that just like went away and like, I don't feel that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, it happens. Um, but I got, I've gotten better about like just saying, okay, take Sunday, throw everything, like organize it then focus mm-hmm. on it then take yep. out the stuff that you can do this week, time block it on your calendar and just be good. Yep. Yeah, that's your week. Yep. And then when you go back the next week, most of those big items will be done. You'll have some other things that will probably creep up, but then yep. it's back to, okay, prioritize it. Like, right. even though you added two items and took five off, those two probably aren't taking precedence over other stuff. So that, and those might stay on for months and months and months. Yep. Just keep moving them. Yeah. Because they don't take, pri- they don't they take priority priority. Yeah. And, and the thing is some of these things you would like to do. Some of these things would be like, it would be nice if I crossed off the list or yep. maybe this might, you know, upset somebody if they don't get it done next week but right. it's like in your grand scheme of whatever you find valuable in your life if that's not priority for you and really a lot of these books have um and a lot of the people whether it's podcasts or um audiobooks or just interviews i see a lot of them always come back to like you do have to put yourself for first and be selfish mm-hmm. um and not that you can't be helpful to people but if you're too giving you have nothing your, left your time is gone and yep. then you don't make progress and i right. think um, I think that happens to a lot of people that are not even people that are people pleasers, but just people that want to, want to do a lot of stuff. And then mm-hmm. you realize at a certain point time's finite and you're a human yep. and not Superman <laughs> and that like you can't do it all. So then it's like, what? Well, but you have the same hours right? or maybe slightly limited depending on situation, but mm-hmm. same, but half the time is like you can cut the inefficiencies out of your life. Right. And then, and really the cool thing is like, I feel if I can take care of like, I call it the, like that one thing, if I can take care of that one thing, and sometimes that one thing might only last an hour, Yep. but the weight off my shoulders feels great. And yeah. then if I have time, I'm like, okay, well, I got done the big thing. Maybe there's like item two or three that I could probably like almost sneak in today that mm-hmm. might've been due tomorrow or Friday or like depending, you know, later in the week, I right. can sneak it in, just cross it off my list and I'm already that much better. But once I... Once I get it done, then I feel, like I said, this weight lift off of me and I, I feel a little bit more free and a little more like easy going because my anxiety of like not getting that done, I took care of it early. Yeah. Um, yep. It's kind of like eat that frog, Brian Tracy. That's yeah. another big one. I, I tell myself that too. Get that, eat that big frog first thing in the morning. It's just get it, get it done. And, oh, you know, I begrudgingly will drag myself downstairs and say, yep, I'm just, just got to do it. <laughs> be, yeah. be done. So how, how do you... um? Like in, in your business, especially being, you know, sole proprietor by yourself, mm-hmm. you know, like what's, where's your internal drive to just say, you know, whether it's to work out, whether mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, just to, you know, if you don't have a client meeting, what make forces you to go down and just work when no one's watching you kind of thing? Um, I, I think it's just, the end goal is to design a lifestyle that allows me to take care of family. Right now we have older family members that they're having issues and um i have two i got one grandchild 
a grandson and I got a granddaughter on the way. So I want that flexibility where I can just, it's a work optional lifestyle. Yeah. It's not really retirement. It's not really, you know, and it's just the option to be able to, to do that. And I think that drives me spending more time with my husband too. Um, you know, we both, we both flat out just ran with it since we start, we started out young in our twenties and we just, uh, just took off running and we've just been just keep going and just now's the time to kind of settle down with things and uh you know i want to i want to spend some time with him especially tax season because he called he's a self-proclaimed tax season widower so i was (laughs) tax season for 35 years and he uh you know he um he had to deal with that too he come home and, and at that point i was doing meetings all day and in the evening and it was just you know, it's tax season's what it is. Any account out there knows what I'm talking about. But um, now it's, I have, there's more efficiency in my own time and, uh, you know, working. And that, that gives me a lot of incentive to spend family time. I think it's the biggest thing. How, how much, if you had to put a percentage of your week, um, how much do you put on business versus in business? About half right now. Oh, that's great. Because I've, I've uh, because of the rebranding, I rebranded everything probably two years ago did my own website i do not suggest anybody that, that don't don't not an accountant to do the website because i had to rebrand it because everything uh related to um my work was all accounting and tax a lot of these companies will come in and they they do your website for you but nobody had the sense of the branding that i wanted so i started a whole web uh, wordpress site and I don't know if you've ever heard of Donald Miller, but he does he does a lot of marketing okay. stuff. And I designed the website based on that. So it was most of everything is on one page. Um, it's not perfect, but it does say what I want it to. Yeah. So yeah, about half and half right now, because I've over the last three years I moved out of taxes, individual tax returns slowly to focus more on the consulting work. So So that yeah, and that's like the idea of um you know, and this goes back to, you know, I'll take Tim Ferriss as a perfect example. Like in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, I think it gets, you know, the the name. Oh, it's misleading. The, the name's very misleading. Yep. And it's the idea like, yes, you can get to a 4-Hour Workweek, but he's not suggesting you work four hours. Right. Neither does he. Nope. But, and, and he, but what he's saying is that you want to make efficiencies and you want to make systems in your business that you really could only work four hours a week if you wanted to. Right. And a lot of it is a, basically a book on efficiency mm-hmm. at a scale level. Um, but one of the things he talked about was like the Pareto principle, like the 80, 20 yes. principle. And I think like, if you look at, and that's something I've tried to do and I want to do more with because mm-hmm. of numbers, but mm-hmm. I, I track some stuff, but I also don't track it enough. And I've done it in a couple of things. We did it with a couple advertising campaigns. Mm-hmm. We've done it with a few things where I have used that principle because it, it pretty much showed true. Yeah. Um, which is good. Like, even if that saved you a few, not even does it save you the money, but it saves you the idea that there's the efficiency in the end because by taking like this, just as one example, like we, we took, I kind of took the Pareto principle idea, looked at this marketing thing we were doing and how much we were spending basically each month, cut down a portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we saved that, but then also because I saved it now, um, the marketing campaign is going more to a strategic area. Yep. And so I know that anything I get from that is more of my like ideal location or client. Right. Um, Cause I look at it too in my business, I have to drive. So yeah. I have to look at the efficiency standpoint of like, okay, you know, not, not that I, I, I drive all around the County, mm-hmm. 
But all things being equal, I'd rather drive 10 minutes to an appointment than 30. Especially with gas prices the way they are right now. It's, yeah, yeah. And, but it's true. It's like, so you, but a lot of it's, it's the time aspect. It's oh, yeah. Like, you know, if I, if my round trip is now an hour just drive time versus, mm-hmm. you know, like a little five, 10 minute just ju- over here and there. Right. Um, so that's where I'm also trying to look at. So it's not only money, but you're looking at time efficiency yep. too. Um, so the, so the on the business aspect, I, kind of or you said with uh simplifying your life yeah that kind of almost goes into like hey if you're getting a good amount of output in just working with half of what you were working with it's exactly what i did yeah i slowly so, broke down i over the last i think it's probably the last three four years i kind of had a direction of where i wanted to go and um you know it just became you know what could i do i'm very I'm very into my clients' lives and stuff. I mean, I can't, it's a relationship. It's mm-hmm. not, um, these aren't people that are just coming in and going out. I know who they are. I know where they where they work. I know their families. So it was, it was tough for me as far as um, letting these families go. I think that was the, the part that was the hardest. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, you, could, you only have so much in your reserve. So, and I didn't want that diluted. So slowly over over a period of time, I I you know I cut down on the number of, of clients that I had, and and uh, I had other people that could take them. Mm-hmm. So I have other professionals in the area that were willing to work with them. I wanted to make sure everybody was placed. Um, I wasn't just going to say, "Hey, I'm all done." Um, help help you know find somebody. That's not the way. That's not good business, and it's not. I wouldn't like anybody to do that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it took time to figure out what I wanted to to ultimately get to and it's this past probably the last year or so finally starting to see um where i'm getting to and this is a lot of what i do with clients um we aren't just talking about you know just their numbers we're looking at what what kind of life do they want to develop i think that's left out a lot sometimes i remind them um you know you have you have family you can't this this business isn't the be all end all it's 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 a tool to get you where you need to go. And uh, and you have relationships within there, and that's, uh, you know, you have, that has to be managed. Yeah, I think that's that's something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, probably the last year, but even more heavily, yeah, I'd say probably heavily last year, is kind of looking at, um, and, and this is just change, like I look at like change in my life and just certain mm-hmm. things, and, and a lot of it is, you know, kind of going back, like what do you want your, end goal to be or or i kind of like the idea like you know life by design like how do you want to design it for yourself and i think one of the big ones for me i'm not like i really like my freedom to do stuff mm-hmm. um that's why i work for myself like, right. i don't like yep. answering i mean I, you have clients and stuff but it's it's not the same like because right. i i have the options to tell them no you know yep. not in a bad way but like if i tell them no i just i lose a client i mm-hmm. lose like my career or anything like that um and I don't do that, but I'm saying I have that flexibility if I need to to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think the the freedom um, of time I like, and I also like that there's no ceiling. Like, yeah, meaning like, oh yeah, you're not limited, and st- you're only limited by yourself. So correct. you know, so it's uh, it, self employment isn't uh, isn't for everybody. Yeah, but it, it, yeah. there, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, but it it's a uh, I think there's a lot less confinement as to what your income level is and what and and what your work environment has to be. I think like, do you ski at all? 
cross country, but I haven't done it in a while. Okay, so like I, I am, I'm kind of going to um, put an analogy together really quick here, and it might make sense, may not. Mm-hmm. But it's like I find that if you're self-employed, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, that it's like going downhill skiing, but you're kind of pushing your limits. <laughs> Where like you're yeah. going to get down faster, you're yep. going to have more um, adrenaline. Yep. There's a chance you could completely wreck oh yeah and yep. and then i find that people that are you know which is n- nothing wrong with it you get your salary and you kind of have and there's people that like that stability yep but those are the people that probably going to take a more gradual flatter surface and mm-hmm. train get down slower not fall but yep. the the and and probably won't have as crazy of a story to tell back at the cabin or mm-hmm. back, back at the uh the uh you know um the lodge but I think it's the idea of like you basically are just going downhill full speed. Right. And you're just cutting and, and you're oh, trying yeah. not to crash. And, and there's sometimes where you're like, oh my God, I almost wiped out, but I made it. And that's what I feel <laughs> like every day is just like you get these moments and it's it's tough because you build up, you do build up like a thick skin and resilience because mm-hmm. you get, you know, there's rejection part. Like oh, I yeah. get rejected every week with stuff. So it's like you, you learn to, de- it doesn't feel good, but mm-hmm. it, it, you learn to deal with it. But then you also like, you learn to overcome stuff because you're just constantly like, oh, like yeah. worrying, and then you're on cloud nine. And then yeah. you're worrying, so it's like trying to man- manage that like yep. ride of emotions. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm sure you felt that oh, both ways. Oh God, yeah, um, yeah. And it's, I guess, I, what kind of keeps me leveled is why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. If you can keep in mind why you chose self employment, then uh, I mean that kind of helps helps get through those times. Oh yeah, there's times, and and there's times you do things and they just don't work out. And, um, you know, but it's never a failure unless you don't try again and figure out mm-hmm. what you did wrong. So it's okay to fail. Sometimes you need to fail quick. Sometimes you go down a road and you're like, okay, this just plain isn't working. Yep. Um, you know, and I, and you know, I got to points like that too in my, in my career. It's just, uh, I remember telling my husband, I'm going to take a whole different direction. Um, I think it's when I, when I added, I added, uh, I went into financial planning and financial advisory, got my you know, retirement certifications and all that, got licensed. And then, um, you know, a few years ago, I says, I, I just can't keep going down this, this path. It's not, um, I can keep all the education, all the experience I have. I, I, I'm just bringing that forward into something else. Sometimes people are afraid just to try, try something else um, and, or move on. Um, so that's a big thing. What's the thing? You're never starting from zero. Right. At that point. You are not. Yep. It might feel like it, mm-hmm. but it's like I had this um, a friend of mine was going or is kind of going through the same thing. And it was like, you're not restarting. No. Because you have this, like you just said, experience. you have experience of different jobs. Mm-hmm. And now you know what you like and don't like. So right. you use that and you build off of it. Like mm-hmm. it's a, and like right now, I feel like in my mind, I don't know if this is true, but like in my mind, I feel I'm at like a almost like a reset kind of thing. And I, I there's like, um, an individual that I, a guy I like following, um, for successful guy and he's in real estate and I, mm-hmm. I follow him a lot. And one of the things that he talked about and been on some webinars, listening to him mm-hmm. and just, you know, it, I just like learning from people. And one of the things he said is like, okay, you have a certain way of doing stuff. So like you have growth and it's basically a ladder. You have growth, but then that, that stops. And what happens is you have to basically go from a vertical going up imagine going upstairs. Mm-hmm. Like you go, vertical and then the flat part of the step then you hit this part point where you don't really you don't really grow but you have to redefine all your systems and the way you do stuff in order to go up to that next level and he goes it's not really like 
completely flat. He goes, you're going to have a dip. And someone called it the other day. I heard like a J curve, almost like yep. you kind of have to kind of dip down, almost like go underwater for a little bit to yep. come back up. And I feel, and he used another analogy of like, if you were on a trampoline, he goes, think of life or business like a trampoline. He goes, the only way you can go up is you have to go down. I mean, yeah. you have to push, you have to counterbalance or counter pressure that, you know, the springs to shoot you up. So I feel like my last like 18, 12 to 18 months, I'd say 18 months, it'll probably end up being about two, 24 months, but I feel like I've like really like I've gone down and mm-hmm. pressed down, but I feel like the work we're doing, even though it's not glamorous and it's kind of like a thankless job, you know, because it it should pay off and you will get that big jump forward. Right. So, you know, you kind of, I find that like entrepreneurship is a lot of blind faith where you work on stuff mm-hmm. and you kind of feel like, cause you, there's nothing tangible. I don't know if any of this no. is going to work out, but right. My hope is that I do, and I'm betting on myself that it's going to, yep. and I'm putting in all the work for no pay, no anything, because that's how it works yep. in our like your business too. Yep. Nobody's paying you to work on your business. Right. So, but the idea is I'm putting in all this like exhaustive work now that I will see the the returns. Right. And, and I think system implementation and kind of like what you're doing is people don't take the time to um, you know look at the efficiency and and having systems in place. Uh, and changing, God changing, wow. Yeah, people sometimes they just, you know, you keep going down that same road and you can't see anything different. And so I like to, that's why I do a lot of reading and a lot of, of course, when I started in 88, there was no real internet. <laughs> yep. You 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 don't probably, you were probably I, weren't born I yet. Won't, I won't say when I was born, <laughs> okay. but. That's... So my, my son was uh, in 88, he was a year old, but. He, so he's a computer security engineer at Salesforce. That's what he. Oh, okay. So what he does? So he started real long, young at two years old on a computer, and uh, my kids both uh, had a you know saw a computer early. I don't. I think we were probably one of the few families that had one because I needed it for business. But when I started out, there was no research. The only way you researched is you went to the library. You had um, CompuServe, AOL, and Prodigy. You had three different uh, service providers. Okay. And you had to pay six dollars an hour to be on CompuServe. So I would I would budget twenty four hours uh, twenty four dollars a month so I could be on on CompuServe to look for business owners and how to run a business and an accounting business and just so business in general or home working from a home office because that wasn't a thing. So when people used to say, "Well, you're home." I said, "Yeah, I'm working." That would just and of course now it's a completely different thing, but. Um, so when you started it, and I, I love hearing this cause I've, this is my, I think my 13th year in real estate mm-hmm. and I can, and in 13 years, it is completely different now than it was 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. So when I look at, you know, like you're saying, you've done this for 35 years, mm-hmm. you look at 35 years, you've seen even more of a transition yep. and and what's going to be crazy is like anybody starting today, yeah. 35 years from now, we'll see even more because it yep. just developed so quick. Now, like, I mean, AI, like six months ago was like Ugh, this term and it's, now it's everywhere yep. and it's picked up so quick. And I think I just read, um, it's a chat, was chat GPT. Ch- yeah. I, my son told me about that, but about uh, two months ago. So I tried to sign up when it first came out. I couldn't, it was, oh. it was there had yep. too many users in it. it yep. get, there's more users. They showed the growth on it. And I think in the first, like, whatever time period it was mm-hmm. first oh it's amount of time. crazy and instagram had like the record for the most growth to start hmm. 
And this blows Instagram out of the water. They, I just saw today they, they just started as a subscription service with it. They're just going to, they yeah. just started. And there's a few other ones I've, I've, I mean, I, so when I go like on social media, I try to use it as a tool to mm-hmm. learn stuff. So mm-hmm. I follow, I'm starting to follow AI stuff because I look at it as like, I embrace the change because I'm like, I, you know, it, this is the way of the future mm-hmm. and I'm not going to complain about it. I'm right. just going to jump on board and just say, well, we'll ride the wave with all these millions of people that are signing yep. up. Um, so I'm, I'm getting, I follow a few feeds that are, um, pretty good at keeping you up to date on mm-hmm. this. So if anything looks remotely close, I'm like, okay, I like that. And I like, you know, screenshot it. And then mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, will spitball with Jen about like, how could, how could we make this work? And, you know, and it obviously takes more than just a quick conversation, but yeah. right now it's kind of like, Hey, look at this. This looks kind of cool. Um, let's kind of keep it on, you know, let's yep. look, let's make a note to look into this, you know, fairly soon. Um, but there's some stuff that is just the ease of doing it. Like, oh yeah. The, even Canva. Now I use that quite a bit yep. for social media yep. and uh, they have their own type of AI thing that's built in there now too. And well, one of them, like we were talking, we were, I was telling you kind of building out um, like a, a platform kind of thing where we need steps and mm-hmm. things listed out. So it's like tedious work. Well, yep. apparently, and this was, you know, what we were found out, there's an AI thing that you can basically screen record your computer, mm-hmm. go through everything. And as you're doing, as you're physically doing all the motions, which mm-hmm. doesn't take us long, it's typing out all the steps for you. Oh, wow. So instead, as you know, like yeah. how much time that saves. So yep. I'm like, Oh, okay. So if we're building that out, right. let's look into this yep. because yep. even if we have to go in and edit it, I'd rather read through what they have and edit it than yep. have to type it all myself. Yep. Um, not it's not even the typing; it's just the thinking of the processing right. and like what do I, how do I write this out? So, yep. um, I look at it as like the efficiencies of time of what we're gonna save and right. um, you know, you kind of look at the future of that, but you look at you know, kind of that more to less. Like, okay, right. think outside the box. How can I plow four driveways in thirty minutes? Yes. Yep. Well, AI could probably do something to make me make me do that. <laughs> yep. Or it's or it's like put it in a heated driveway and then just right. no melts and then they're sure. Yeah. But um, so what's the biggest change you think you found since in the thirty five years that you've been doing it? Just the rise. The technology of the has been huge. Yeah. I mean, even um, we use a soft software called Loom. You might have heard of it Loom, before. Yep. So yep. it used to be where you'd explain something to a client. You had to have them in your office. Or you had to go there, and now we just do videos or I do it for training too if uh, I what I'm doing as I as I'm setting up training so um, if if my associate needs to do something I just have a whole library of how yep. to do it yep. the benefit of that too is that if I ever need somebody else to step in you've already got all those systems in place mm-hmm. and I use ClickUp for um, all task management and that kind of thing and that's kind of built in you know, we're setting, we set process. I'm big on processes because I've had to do a lot by myself. Well, and that's, that's kind of the stuff we're doing because I, like in our business, um, you know, my, my dad's run our business for 30 something years. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I came in, there was a learning curve for me to understand the business Oh yeah. and then just to understand it, not, not like work on the business, just purely in, learn how to do my job. Yep. And then I got to the point where I'm like, okay, kind of, I understand my job mm-hmm. and then I got to the point where I'm like okay I can see inefficiencies in what we're doing um and a lot of it was just we had to adapt as things grew like right. things were changing so it's like that's that that worked fine five ten years ago yeah. we got to adjust it so we had a mixture of that well a lot of it kind of catapulted with doing a lot mm-hmm. we've done a lot since then but it also mixed in with you know 
my like sales hat, like yep. increasing there, my um, responsibilities on the business increasing, my life, just personal life increasing right. responsibilities. So that got to the point where just a lot's going on. Mm-hmm. So like the on the business, now I'm going back through. That's what I'm saying. I'm taking a step back on a lot of things to implement the leverage and the systems and the, and the stuff in the back end that we never... I never had an opportunity to do because either lack of knowledge and then right. eventually lack of time. Yeah. So now it's like I'm sacrificing a lot to get it done, but it's more of like, it. I just know like kind of like that one thing idea or focusing on priorities. Like you have, to, I have to do it because if I don't do it, it's never going to get done. Right. And then you can't take that that you know quantum leap up to the next yep. level because you're kind of going to constantly be in this like slow growth where it's really not. Eventually, it's going to hit a plateau. Right. So I'm trying to like break that plateau in a time frame that arguably is probably not the it's either the best time to do or or like the worst time to do i haven't figured it out yet but some days i I go back and forth on that but um now in regards to um profit first a little bit more on this is um i mean how how have you found like when did you start rolling this out was it in 17 18 when you started uh 20 let me think, it was probably 2019 or so. I started with the clients I had and, and uh, you know, if they didn't want to do the full thing, I was at least implementing part of it within within the range that they wanted to. So then I started, and then I started rolling it out. I really started pushing it probably, oh God, the last year or so. Because um, that's when I saw you talk more about yeah. it. And um, have you found that your clients have, embraced it as a bit was there oh, some pushback was there's there... yeah it's uh i you know of course something new so i had i knew my internally how it operated yeah so expressing that to clients and expressing it to people that were looking at it was something that i had to learn develop mm-hmm. learn how to do it i've gotten better um because you know you, you think in your head you know you're thinking in your head and it's in your head but you're not really explaining it well yep. so it's it took me some time to embrace it and to explain it comfortably. And, uh, but the difference that I've seen uh, in the clients that are implementing it, it's, uh, it's like night and day. It's, it's that clarity they get and they, they have a framework now, instead of just everything going all over the place, they, they, they can see how it operates and it's a little at a time. Mm -hmm. We take little steps at a time going forward. Um, or, or, you know, discussing this with them and it brings out a lot of the stuff they didn't know was going on in their business. I mean, just didn't see it. So if you, because again, we're going to go back to the beginning. If you, um, you know, say you're taking one or two percentage points a quarter out of, out of the operating expenses, mm-hmm. you're, you're reallocating it. Like the right. reallocation part's easy. Right. Once you can find a way to save it, then you're like, right, I'm just going to throw it in. Yep. Um, but then it, like if someone comes to you and says, listen, I'm doing 2% a quarter mm-hmm. and that's 8% at the end of the year, which arguably is a pretty solid number mm-hmm. for most most companies. And now what happens if they come to you like the third quarter and like, I just can't find a way to cut 2% of my budget? Then we, we look at it again. We stay where we are for that quarter. And okay. then we lo- reevaluate. The other side of it is also profit margin. You got to kind of look at, okay, if you've cut everything that you can, how can you increase the income coming in? That's the other side of it. You know, because you can you can only go so far with the expense, um, but that's something that we look at too. Because I, I look at income targeting. What do you what do you need to have in that business to pay you? So what does your top line have to to be? So we reverse engineer what 
that top figure needs to be. So if like, so say that's that 30, I'm just going to go, whatever that well, one was, say 30%. 30%, yep. So if it's at 30% and someone, we'll use the, what we say before, um, 60%. So say they get down to like 45%. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've cut it in half. Yep. And now they're looking at it and say, I've cut, I've gone from 60 down to 45. The goal target, the tap is still 30%. Right. Um, and they can't cut anymore or they feel like they can't cut anymore. Right. Like, I, I feel like you have like, like, do you ever, like the 30% that they have, is that really something they should try to get to? It's, like, do you almost like... It's a target, but I mean, like, if I you... Mean, I don't want to say like, let them off the hook, but do right. you... Because I think some people, you, you press them a little bit more and say you could do some of stuff, which might cause you have to think and kind of be more efficient in thinking. Right. Um, does that come into play too? Or sometimes it's just a matter of pushing them and saying... It does, because then you look at, okay, if you if you can only get it down to 45%, are you getting paid enough? Because mm-hmm. sometimes they, they get to the point where they go, okay, that's, that's good for right now. Okay. So then going forward, how can we increase? And that's, like I said, we start looking at profit margins to see how they can increase on that so side. they're accepting as like yeah. my, my end goal the profit and my, my owner's comp based and i'm good with that so therefore right. i don't care if my expense like if my expenses went down to the five percent i made five percent more i wouldn't really care if if they feel like they're making enough um you know between the profit and uh their taxes are covered and they're paying themselves what they want then that's fine um but you know, it's it's a guide. It's mm-hmm. a gu- guide. It's just that's where you start. That's these numbers are are figures from you know research that was done. Yeah. So so some people, like I said, if they, I'm not going like, to throw them in jail if they don't get their no. But cause I just go because I I know having read the book and knowing mm-hmm. what Mike says in there, it's like if you, you know, the 45. It, and I and again, I I'm thinking like how I would react, and I think how most people would react is like you're going to have a base level that you could cut out right off and you're like right i just cut out let's just say 10 percent right off the top because mm-hmm. it was just like you maybe 10 percent of 60 percent. so say six percent right. at the top and you're like that really wasn't that hard it was a bunch right. of wasted stuff yep and then it's like okay my next five or ten i'm making some like modifications where i'm like uh, but i'll do it right and then you get to the point where it's like okay this might mean i have to cut a staff member mm-hmm. i might have to completely rechange systems yep. um like one of the things we did was the CRMs we were using, which was great. It was costing us quite a bit of money each month. So we kind of just looked in the different CRMs and kind yep. of consolidated and, and yep. tried to figure out user-wise based on usage and stuff, how mm-hmm. we could better allocate. And that something that probably at the end of the year will save us a few thousand dollars yeah. a year yep. just in that little, and it, it might be, a sl- I mean, that's a like a, I would say that's kind of more in that middle ground change. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have to lay anybody off for it. We didn't have to do anything crazy, but we could change that where right. it wasn't like cutting the garbage bill. It was, you know, yeah. it was like a different, so yeah. like that's an easy thing that, and like, yeah. or a streaming service. Like, ah, we don't really need that. Right. Um, so, I mean, have you, are most people open to the idea of the cutting the expenses or do you find that you really have to I, push on them? I think they are. I think by the time they usually they start, um, you know, they're, they're looking for just, they're just looking and say, Hey, I need, I need somebody to look at this. Cause you're not so, um, you're not, you're kind of biased by your own numbers if mm-hmm. you're looking at it. Whereas if you've got somebody else coming in, looking, saying, looking at it and saying, oh, well, you know what? That kind of went up the last couple of months. What's going on with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's the, you know, the percentages that those are healthy percentages. And, and then I'll, but you know, I don't just let them get off the hook. I'm saying, okay, where else can we, where else is there inefficiency in what you have for expenses? And, and that's, 
And that's kind of where I go. Like if you mm-hmm. push people and, and you push them out of their comfort zone, because like right. I, I'm get my my thing. If I got down to forty five and I cut down fifteen, like I can't cut fifteen. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably can't. And it, and I would have to like self reflect and say like probably can't at the current way I do business. Yes. But is there an alternative way to do business where all yep. of a sudden like you and like lock the like the secret door and like. Oh, oh, there's 10% cut right there that I didn't even see. And then, yep. oh, there's, you know, all of a sudden now I've cut 13 of the 15 extra percent I need. And now it's yep. like within reach. Right. Um, I think that's most of it. And again, I go back to that shoveling story. Like mm-hmm. if you really, if you were to sit down and mull that thought over for a couple hours with a pen and paper, you could probably come up with some great ideas. Right. Um, and I think it's just in... It's just that people don't take the time to reflect and think. and It's easier not to do anything, you know, or mm-hmm. you go so far and then you get uncomfortable. Um, it's in the uncomfortability that is where you find progress. So, yeah. And move do, forward. You, do you find, like, when you work on your business, like, what's harder for you to, do, like, not, I'm not saying, like, make time to do, mm-hmm. but physically do. Is it harder to work on your business or in your business for you? Um... I don't, I don't really find a distinction between, I, 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 I find it more rewarding to work on it, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say. Not that I don't like working on my client's work, but it just, um, that is where my value is, is moving forward and developing my business, working on it and getting clarity as to where I want to go, because that also helps me help my business owners help them figure out where they want to go. Yeah. And I, I think the, the on the business is more rewarding from a, in the sense that the, that allows you to get to that next level right. because you're implementing a system that, mm-hmm. and, um, by, I, I, again, another book idea I got, but, um, it buys you back time. You put yes. a system in, it buys you time. Yeah. Um, I find that working on the business is way harder than working in the business for me, mm-hmm. meaning in the business, which is like, meeting with clients, yeah. calling people on the phone, doing that stuff. Like to me, I've been doing that for 12 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of go through the motions in the sense that I know, I understand everything. It's, I mean, I'm thinking in the sense if a client's talking to me, I'm like, I'm coming up with solutions and stuff to mm-hmm. whatever they're asking or their scenario, but it's not a strain on my mind to come up with those answers. Right. I have them and it's just like, okay, which one do I have to pull out for this conversation? Right. But when I'm sitting there trying to redo systems and stuff, my brain, like this morning, my brain was just done. And I, I sat f- probably three hours, like deep in thought, thinking all this stuff mm-hmm. over and looking at charts. And this was stuff I did. I mean, I'm bored with all the details, but just like actively looking at this stuff and forcing myself to think and yeah. make connections. And like, if this happens and this, and you're yep. just that critical thinking mind, well, I work three hours. And I'm more exhausted than I work twelve hours in, on the or in the yeah. business. So it is more exhausting. Yeah, I think I think because I have processes set up with working with clients. There's a specific way that we we work with everybody because mm-hmm. because of efficiency. So we work with everybody at specific times. We we have our meetings and certain certain uh, um, things need to be done by the time we have the meeting. So I think that part of it because I've systemized it so much over the years. That's physically easier. Mm-hmm. Definitely the working on and the, you know, some, sometimes you're spending time working on your business and you are exhausted by the end of the day. And that's kind of, it's more exhausting, but it's something that ha- has to be done. And I think that's why people push it off sometimes is because God knows you don't want to start something over, you know, start looking at your systems one more time. It's like, how many times am I going to go through this? But, 
but it's something that you have to do to keep moving forward. Um, and I try to break up like in a perfect week and I've talked about this before, but the idea of like batching and stuff, but mm-hmm. I try to put my on business in the beginning of the day and my in business on the, like I try to do my podcast in the afternoon. I try to do my appointments in the afternoon. I try to do, um, my call times typically in the afternoon, every once in a while I have to have like a morning right. here and there, but it might it would end up being like a late morning. Um, I really try when I first come in to just sit like and do something I need to do without mm-hmm. getting into the whirlwind of, you know, you're reaching out to people, they're reaching back, getting this message, this person's calling and because then you, as we said at the start, like that just, that's a very slippery slope to lose your day. Right. Um, it's not that you didn't accomplish anything that day. You did from a client thing, but you did nothing on the business. Yep. And really you're almost level with where you were the, the day before. Yeah. Um, and my goal every day I come in is like, I want to be increasing the, on the business yep. up a level every day. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my my aim and I, I also try to front load my week so it's like yep. front load my day front load my week and my friday i use as a flex day where i try not to schedule yep. anything yep um and i work all day but it's on stuff i want to do right. or things i didn't get to that i may want that flexibility not to feel like i gotta get this done because i have an appointment or i had this going on it's like a free day where i can just like yeah i can roll in roll in it kind of is a nice segue into the weekend mm-hmm. yeah i bookend my week so the majority of uh client work and any work is going to be like Tuesday to Thursday. Yep. Friday's my makeup day. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the summer, it's just I, my pool's right outside my office window. So it starts calling to me about yeah. two o'clock in the afternoon. And I think, why am I sitting here? Because I'm really, I'm not really motivated to do anything else. It's time to quit. So, yep. but uh, yeah, I bookend it. And then Monday, um, actually, right now, what I'm doing is uh, uh, there's a group of ladies that I know that we do a co working. Uh, it's a, co-working Monday we just get on for two hours on zoom quick say hey I'm here and it's accountability yeah so I can I can knock out a couple of things in two hours that I know that they're gonna pop back up and say hey did you get that done so that's kind of what I do on Mondays right now too but I like to leave the Mondays and Fridays open uh for example I got to go with my husband for an appointment tomorrow Mm -hmm. so we schedule you know I schedule try to schedule those kind of things on the days that I'm I'm not out flat. It's taken me a while. It's taken me a while to figure out how to uh, how to implement every, that kind of work style. Um, yeah. It's just a work in, always a work in pro- process. I tell you, it's it's. Uh, I don't know how many Excel sheets I've got of different different ways of redesigning my day. But my workouts first thing in the morning. I have to work out because that gives me the energy to get through the rest of the day. So that's consistently you. Oh habit. yeah. For years and years. Yeah. So is that yeah. Monday through Sunday? Um, I actually, now I'm down to five days a week instead of six. I did six days for a long time, but you know, I'm getting to the point where it's not, it's not so good on, on, on me physically anymore. Cause I run. So I run uh, probably five days a week, not much, you know, 5k or something, three, four miles. Yeah. Um, I weight train and then my husband got me a row machine for Christmas. So I started getting back into that, but I've got, you know, I've got all kinds of exercise equipment at the house. I mean, I got enough for, for a gym. I don't have, so when he told me it was going to get a rower, I'm like, man, I don't have any more places. Kind of I can't remember the name of it. Is the concept too? I don't, I don't remember. It's just a, it's a manual one, but it does, it does sync up with my iPad. So it's, uh, and it's got, you know, videos and stuff. So yeah, I kind of been putting that in with everything. Um, but yeah, I try to get that done first thing in the morning because I find days that I don't, and I've done this for years. So I find days that I don't work out 
it's just like drag. Yeah. I really need that. That and coffee first thing in the morning. Uh, so what, 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 what time do you get up in the morning? Uh, probably about now I'm getting up about six o'clock. I used to get up at five for years um, when my husband was working. Mm-hmm. But because I'd have to get on the treadmill and stuff before he did. So, but I get up about six. I try to get big thing now is sleep. I try to get yeah. into bed by 10 at night and get up at six in the morning. Yeah. And uh, I try to get plenty of sleep because that helps restore. It keeps your stress down too. Yeah. So. Well, that's, I was going to say, that's the thing that I've, I've been struggling with the last couple years. It's just like, I, I was pre-kids. I was worked out a lot, mm-hmm. very good diet, exercise, sleep, things like that. And then everything's been hit. So it's nothing yeah. consistent the last, you know, probably <laughs> yeah. three, four, five years. But, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it, that's the importance. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, um, the sleep thing is something that I just struggle. I mean, I, I, been... I work to get it, but it's, you know, yeah, well, with little kids, you know, well, it's, it is, there's sleep and there's like good sleep. Yeah. So it's like, even if you get down for seven, eight hours, it's like, yep. it's not seven, eight, nope. like, I don't find it's like a, a solid one. So I, but yeah, ideally I, my goal is like, if I can, be in bed from the time I like lights out to the time I wake up, like try to have that time be about seven hours. Yep. Um, if it's more great, but like have that be seven hours and yep. then like knowing that's probably going to slide to like six and a half by the time you like oh, actually yeah. fall asleep or get up yep. in the night or something. So I used to go five, five to six hours sleep. I did that for years and it just, yeah. it's taxing. And as you get older, you realize, man, I need more sleep. So yeah, it just, and you physically like your workouts and stuff aren't, sufficient either so well uh, yeah i was gonna say it's just it's that's another slippery slope when yep. you go down that it doesn't doesn't help you come back um so you said you read a lot of books like what mm-hmm. kind of what books are um what books are you into what books are you reading now uh right now i'm reading a book called leverage i thought that was pretty and i can't remember who who does it there's leverage and um oh i've I read a lot of personal development books and a lot of audiobooks. So being on the treadmill or running outside, I've listened to a lot of different audiobooks over the years. I, I started my Amazon account in 2000, kind of scary when I looked to see how much digital media I've bought since then. But uh, yeah, a lot of um, professional development um, Is it the leverage equation? Um, it's uh, Fabian, I think is her name. Fabian. Um, God, I can't think of her name. It's... That's all right. Anyway, that's uh, yeah, that's the book I'm reading right now. Well, listening to audio right now, and of course, all a lot of Mike's books. Uh, Jeffrey Shaw has a good book, book, The Self-Employed Life. I actually, I actually met him in a conference um, back in October, which I thought was pretty cool because I was sitting at lunch and uh, he happened to be one of the speakers there, and I'm eating my lunch and I looked up and he's sitting directly across from me. And all I could say was, are you Jeffrey Shaw? He says, yeah. I said, I was just listening to your, your podcast when I was running this morning. It kind of freaked me out because <laughs> here I was running in the morning and then he was across. But he's a really, that's an excellent book on self-employed. Um, anybody that's self-employed, he, uh, he has a lot of good stuff in there. But uh, yeah, it's pretty, mostly mostly personal development and uh, business business-related leadership um well, marketing go. it must have been you right there that bought that what's that? <laughs> like what we frequently bought together that and yeah. profit first book. oh yeah are they together well he he actually is on i think he's on mike's uh the, there's a um manager accounting practice is one of the podcasts that profit first puts out for profit first professionals and i think jeffrey shaw is actually a guest on it this week he's really good um but yeah there's just a lot of a lot of personal development books oh, I've Donald read over Miller. the years. Donald Miller is huge. With if, if anybody needs 
when you, when you start out in accounting and stuff, you know nothing about sales and marketing. So um, he he actually has what's called the business, I think it's Business Made Simple University, mm-hmm. which has a lot of information about how to market your business, especially people starting out. Um, and uh, I think he has a Marketing Made Simple podcast. He, he has that too. But uh, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts and do a lot of audiobooks. Yeah, the the um, audiobooks are my thing. Like I tried mm-hmm. to, I made a habit last year of trying to read more. So I've been yeah, doing, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, which is why this book came out and mm-hmm. a couple other ones. And like I go through and the idea, I mean, really at the end of the day is just to learn more. But I find like the more I read, it's like you always hear people say this is that it, it just expands your mind, right? Um, and you hear like a lot of. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes, a guy I follow quite often. You know Ryan Holiday at all? Um, he's got some really good books. A lot of it's on like Stoic philosophy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the thing that he always kind of quotes is, and I think this was a quote for um, Harry Truman. He said, not all um, readers are leaders, but all leaders are, all leaders are readers. Meaning like mm-hmm. if you read for whatever reason, that's been like a very... Com, common thing amongst a lot of like high like successful people they just read a lot yeah. and I find that so I kind of was like okay well they're way smarter than I am at a lot of stuff <laughs> or maybe not but they're more successful at whatever their field is but yeah. um, you know let's take let's try that and so I read that the average CEO reads 60 books a year so oh, I was yeah. like okay that's gonna be my goal oh that's how you came up with that yeah, number yeah so I'm gonna be like I don't know 60 books let me see if I can do it and yep. I got the 60 um I don't know, 63, four, something like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, a lot of them, there was audio books. There were yeah. probably two thirds of them. But, um, you know, a lot of the good ones, like some of them I read through and then I, you know, I wanted to like highlight through. So like Profit right. First, I, I physically read. Yeah. Uh, but there was a couple other books like the the Almanac by Naval Ravikant. I thought was great. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, have you listened to that or read Mm-mm. that one. Nope. So I listened to it and it was like so much wisdom in it. that mm-hmm. I was like, I bought it that week, came yep. in, reread it within the week and wrote down a bunch of notes. And, yeah. Um, as you can kind of see, like in the book, like I, I just like, that's good to see though. That like I, well, you know, if you've got things marked up and, uh, the like things, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And some of, some of them, like, it, it just depends on like ideas and stuff. Like sometimes it's just like a, a thought. Um, like this one, I, like I just opened up page 39 Parkinson's law that the demand for something expands to match its supply. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss talks a lot about that. A lot of people talk about Parkinson's law yep. with, uh, um, Pareto's principle, but yep. you know, it kind of goes through and, um, Versus all the most business, yeah, the perfect size for your business. It will eventually nat- it will happen naturally when you take the profit first. You will reverse engineer all the d- elements of the business. The right size will find you. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I just like like that quote, and yep. it's kind of like okay, that you know, even though will that turn into anything? Maybe, maybe not. But um, I think it's just figuring out. And actually, I'm surprised. I actually wrote less in this book than I thought I would. Um, but I think well, there yeah, there's some more. I was gonna say yep. some of the ones like you know just. The new accounting formula and just kind mm-hmm. of really going through um but i think it's i mean what which what, what do you get out of reading like what what's your reason um, for doing so a lot of it is uh so i can be a resource for my clients too because they don't have time to read mm-hmm. so always so um i think that's that's helped me even um you know from a marketing standpoint i sometimes i can i know it's not related to accounting or finance or anything but sometimes i can move them on to something that they're looking for mm-hmm. that and the technology because i've because i've uh because i've had to do a lot of my own technology sometimes i can help them implement 
um, things within that works with like their accounting system. I mean, the accounting is nowhere near near what it was when I started. I mean, now you've got QuickBooks Online and Zero. We're moving a lot of people to Zero now too, um, and because of the automation, that's something that's been taken out. So that puts us in a position to be more advisory. But if they have an issue with, um, you know, is there an app that can be more efficient? You know, if they need a, a, connect, a connecting app that will work with it, that's something that we look at or banking or whatever. Um, between that and reading a lot, it lets it lets me be a resource for them mm-hmm. um, and something that they don't have to find themselves. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's a therapeutic aspect to reading too. But oh, yeah. I, I also, I, I find that one, one of the things I felt I didn't do a good job last year of doing is I read a lot of nonfiction books and like, like a book like mm-hmm. this is like my wheelhouse. Like I like right. that kind of stuff because yep. it sounds like we're probably the same. Yep. Um, so I'm forcing myself to read more fiction mm-hmm. or more autobiographies. Once in a while I'll get into one of those. Yeah. Yep. And it's just something to take my mind off. So like mm-hmm. I have like two books right now I'm reading. So, um, I, well, three books I'm reading cause I have one. I always have one on audible going. So yep. that's, but I have, um, Principle by Ray Dalio. I've been wanting to read for a while. Yeah. And I know the concepts of it, but I want to read it and actually like turn it into like a resource mm-hmm. to kind of with notes. And um, so that's one. And then the other one I got, I think it was a recommendation from Ryan Holiday, but I've seen it some other places. It's, um, I think it's called Empire of the Sun- Summer Moon. Mm-hmm. And it's about the Comanche Indian tribe. And I'm only like, I've just started. I'm yeah. only, you know, probably um, a few dozen pages in, but it's... Uh, it's a book that I don't have to take any notes in. So yeah. I just read. Yeah. So it's like, so those so I, those are the books. Yeah, that you I, need some relaxation reading once in a while too. Yeah, yeah, so usually like weekends or evenings, I'll pop that book open yeah. or a book like that. and I'll, Or I shouldn't say I do. This is what I've started to do mm-hmm. just to have like kind of relaxation. Yeah. Um, and then during the week, you know, a few minutes here and there, I'll try to read some passages in this book. And um, those are typically a slower burn if I'm mm-hmm. taking notes. Yeah. Like that book. Every page I probably read three times before I go to the next page yeah. just because like you read it, then you go back through and read it, then you go back through and highlight what you want. Yep. So it's, 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 and it's like a 500, four or 500 page book. So oh, it's wow. going to take me yeah. a while to read it, mm-hmm. but it's, but I want to be thorough on it. And then if right. I read it in the future, I can almost skim it because yep. I've taken the time to do the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so last thing I want to ask you before we get going, um, what, what, what band were you in? <laughs> Because you dropped this nugget on me before we got going, and I was like, I can't so, let you off the hook right now. So I was in a band called Upper U.S. Um, it was with my husband, Francis, Francis Mercaldi, and Bill Babby, his cousin, and my brother-in-law, uh, Pete Mercaldi, and Bob Jones. And Bob Jones is from Ross's Point. He was a family friend, and he worked at Pfizer. So... Back in the early 90s, I think they started to get together and play a few tunes. And um, then they asked me to, to be in. I had been in a band when I was seven. So music was something that I had done before. And my husband, when I met him, I didn't realize he was into music. So anyway, I was in the band with them. And we did eight original songs. And one of the songs on there is Perry's Mills. And Wait, I think I've heard that. Okay, this. so maybe you do because... You know, you got family that are mm-hmm. from there. So Perry's Mills, my um, my husband wrote that. So th- these eight songs, we between us all, we, we wrote these eight songs. And my husband uh, wrote the song Perry's Mills. And how he came up with it is he used, he, Perry's Mills is a hamlet outside of, uh, it's between Champlain and Moors. And uh, there's not much going on up there. It's pretty 
uh, kind of I farm country. One way in, one way out. Yeah. Wait, what, what was it? It was called Opera US. Opera US. So there's no way I can find this online. No, but I will. I will send you a link to the. I, your dad might even have uh, access to that. But uh, I can send it. you a link. So we did eight original songs, and um, the one of the, about Perry's Mills people are. That's the one they always want to hear. And it. My husband actually wrote it. He was about fourteen, and he had his guitar, and he would walk around the block, and he would sing and play his guitar. So that's how he came up with that. The only. The only... Listen Cal to the Perry, Perry Mills Project. That's so funny. That's like a band. So Calvin Castine used to play our CD a lot on um, Hometown I've, Cable. I've heard, I mean, I don't remember the song. I remember there being a song called Perry's Mills when I was a kid. Yep. Um, and that was, again, yep. my... I mean, Perry Mills Road is the only road, I think, in Perry's Mills. Right. Like, it basically just <laughs> well, cuts through. Well, we live on Duba Road, so yeah. And yep. you've got Creek Road, so yeah. Yeah, there's a few. Right yep. at the bridge where it all right. connects. Um, yeah. So, um, so they were on... my. My dad grew up on Perry's Mills, yep. um, so we used to go visit my grandparents' house, and it was mm-hmm. you know there. It's not there. I mean, it, um, it's, it, home's there, but that right. one burnt down. But it was, uh, uh, yeah. So that's I just so yeah. So that. we did we did those. We had a I don't know if you that's know so funny. The, the band eight oh eight four. They they just uh, so they were big in the eighties, and Andre McCara had a recording studio over in, in Vermont, and we went over there and we recorded. It took us a month. To, we went after uh, work and stuff and took us a month to do the recording. Um, and we recorded the eight songs and we put it on a CD. We, we played locally for quite a while in the, in the 90s. And then I think it was 99, we did the CD. And people loved it. I mean, they, they, I still get people that come up to me once in a while. and They'd say, boy, I like that song you did. So yeah, I'll have to send you the link. Oh, I'd love to see it. So, um, yeah, the band, I mean, we got the pictures and all kinds of stuff. We did an interview on WLFE and all kinds of stuff. It's so funny. Cause I, I do, I, when you said that, I was like, oh, I, I do that remember that song. <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't, I couldn't tell you how it went, but yeah. I remember as a kid, like someone saying, oh, there's a song called Perry's Mills. I was yep. like, what? Um, yep. So were you the singer? Yeah. So I sang, I sang and played keyboard. Yeah. And I, I wrote okay. two, two, of the, two of the eight songs. And then my husband, I can't remember how many, I think he did four. He did four. One of the songs actually is a song that he wrote when we first started going out and we played it for our wedding. Oh, wow. So we recorded it. So, yeah, that was our actual wedding song. Um, that's, that's, that's a, so, I, I mean, are you still, do you still play keys today? So he, I, I haven't in a long time. And actually my husband is, is uh, he is playing with some other musicians right now. He's there, I don't know if they're, eventually, I think they're eventually going to probably play out. Um, but uh, yeah, he just started back into it, which is good. What's he him. play? He pl- he plays bass, but now he's in guitar. He plays rhythm guitar. Okay. So he played rhythm guitar. I played keyboard. My brother-in-law p- played, Pete played um, drums and Bill Babby played lead and Bob Jones played rhythm. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that was been fun. Oh yeah. It was, it used to, it was a blast. Was that, pre-family like kids? no during family so okay. our kids were probably i don't know eight nine years old at that point but my daughter remembers telling stories she'd go to school at champlain elementary and people would say you know what did you do last weekend well i ice skated well i did you know i went i went for a ride with my parents and she'd say well i went to band plat practice for four hours in a basement <laughs> oh, <laughs> which God. but she ended up being a music industry major so okay. that was so rubbed off in it. Yeah. And so both my kids do, do play instruments and stuff. It's a very musical family. We have karaoke at the house and, uh, you know, we have a big screen TV and we used to do the karaoke and everything at the house. So it's, uh, oh, awesome. so there's always somebody that sings and, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, no, I, that's, if, if people always said like, what could you be and think like, like pro athlete, things like that. Like, yeah. I mean, 
I think pro golf would be fun, but like yeah. musicians got to be a blast. It's it's a it's fun. I mean, I had a I had a lot, a lot of fun doing it. I'm hoping to get into it a little bit more. I just matter of fact, last week I oh, um I just oh, loaded Audacity. It's a recording yeah. program. So my yeah, my I husband, my phone, or yeah, right here. Actually, I got look at that. I got Loom and Audacity. Oh no, right kidding. Yeah, so I just loaded it just because I want to start recording some uh, some songs on my own just to get some, something to do yeah, outside of hobby. yeah. And my my husband has a whole studio set up in his office, and that's what he does. He does recording, um, he does video recording. Okay. He's got a big green screen, and he has uh, he's done <laughs> recordings for a long time. Actually, it's yep. funny you say that. Like, this is like looking at some stuff here for that. I'll show you. Oh, okay. before you leave, I'll show you the future podcast room. Oh, nice. This is not the actual one, but yep. now that you're a sound person, you'll, you'll, yeah. you'll appreciate this. So, yep. um, but, uh, no, that's good. Um, well, Lori, last thing again, this will actually be the last thing I'll wrap up for <laughs> sake of time for you. But, um, is there, you know, kind of plans mm-hmm. for the company for profit first, anything that you're looking to do? How, how can people maybe find you if you're, you're taking on more clients? So where they can get a hold of me, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. So just yes, search Lori McCauley. I'm yeah, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. And um, my website is financialtally.com. So either one of those places, they can find out more about what I do. Um, this is good. I, yes. Podcast. I yeah. did, like I said, you're you're. I won't make you sing, but like I said, you you, you rolled in. You're like I was part of a band. Just and talk all this for, I stuff. just talked for two hours. Probably not a good idea to try singing. That's yeah. I was gonna say keep those keep those pipes safe mm-hmm. there. But uh, uh, Lori, I appreciate you coming on and you know kind of diving into profit first a bit. And again, I um, if you haven't read the book, I think start there. Read the book and kind of kind of get your mind around it. It is a bit of a paradigm shift, but I think it's uh, uh, makes a lot of sense. And and again, some of the things I went into that or beyond the numbers, I thought were interesting just as like a, a small business owner that I thought was excellent read to part of this book. And and um, the author, Mike uh, Michalowicz, he's got a few other books that are all really good. And again, really practical advice. And, you know, he kind of has a fun language to the way he writes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of a... I, he sounds like a good t- like a good he time. Is, he is like he, a jokester. He is hysterical. Yeah, so I I think it's not a boring read. It, <laughs> no, it, it is not. Yeah, so I think it's good. But uh, profit first again, uh, Lori McCauley, Thank you so much for coming on. That was that was You're a, a lot of fun. And if you reach out again, financialtally.com. We'll put some stuff in the show notes. Um, but yeah, that's episode two eighteen of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.